You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Hear the word of the Lord. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 10. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, as we said, we're still in this this really good, I think good, basic series on spiritual disciplines called Draw Near. When we draw near to God, God promises he will draw near to us. And so today we're talking about the spiritual discipline of keeping a Sabbath, all right? Now, we have had sermons on keeping the Sabbath in Life Church, more than one occasion uh, in the not-too-distant past. So I'm not going to get deep into this today, but I want to give you some hallmarks of some of the things that we've already said to you uh, and talk to you a little bit about how you and I might practice this Sabbath uh, in, in a more effective way, and to encourage those of you uh, who, like me, fell miserably in keeping the Sabbath sometimes, that uh, there is not only grace for us, but that we can be encouraged to uh, step it up, you know, and, and actually be people of a Sabbath. Um, I, one of the things that I like to do, um, and uh, over the years I've done with, with my son, is uh, during the holidays we like to uh, watch the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy. Like we like just like to like veg out on this and just take the whole thing through, and we really in, enjoy that. Um, and as I was uh, reading for this particular message on keeping the Sabbath, um, I was reading in Mark Buchanan's book, which I think is a great book. I would highly recommend it to all of you to to read at some point. Um, but he gives this account of uh, Tolkien, uh, his, his uh, book one of The Lord of the Rings. There's this description, if you will, that, that he gives as a basis for describing the Sabbath. Um, and it's in this trilogy where he's describing a time of rest and a time of healing. Uh, this is all happening in the house of, of Elrond in Rivendell. And the hobbits are there, and they've gone through a, a tumultuous past, and obviously they are going to hit a tumultuous future when they leave Rivendell, okay? Um, but this is what it says uh, in, in, in the book, okay? It says, for a while, for a little time, the hobbits continue to talk and to think of the past journey and all the perils that lay ahead. But such was the virtue of the land of Rivendell, that soon all fear and anxiety was lifted from their minds. The future, good or ill, was not forgotten, but ceased to have power over the present. Health and hope grew strong in them, and they were content with each day as it came, taking pleasure in every meal and in every word and song. The future, good or ill, was not forgotten, but ceased to have power over the present. 
Folks, that is Sabbath. When we find that rest in God and we can sit in that and all of that that is either past or present has no power over us to rule us and drive us and push us and press us so that we can center ourselves, if you will, on the presence of the Lord and have time with God. And that, I think, is a good, a good starting place of trying to describe the Sabbath for each of us. And that's what I want for you and I, is that there are times in our lives in each day where we're able to do this, where we're able to center, all right? But also that there is a particular time in a given week that is not only described as a Sabbath, but is legitimately a Sabbath for you and I, where we are taking the time to rest and and to find presence in God. And this Sabbath that we're talking about really is a, a repetitive thing. It's a discipline, if you will, that needs to happen from week to week. Now, what does the Scripture say? Jeannie read the Scriptures from Exodus 20, which says that we are to remember the Sabbath, but we remember it in a particular way. We remember it by an action, which is no action, if you will, all right? In the sense that we let go of things. We, we position ourselves in such a way that we keep a day holy unto God. That there's, there's marks in this day that says this day is different than the other six. This day carries something uh, dynamic and impacting about it that is very different than six other days that we work and we toil and we do all these things that we do and we, we enter into the busyness of our own lives and, and, and we fill things up and we grab hold of everything. On this day, we let go. On this day, we, we, we lay it down. On this day, we release ourselves from it. We disconnect. We disengage from so much of the rest of the week and the time that we are in so that there is something very purposeful that happens, and that is we are able to center on the Lord. So this Sabbath is for you and I, just as much as it was for the Israelites in the days of Exodus, all right? Uh, So much so that it's brought back to us in Hebrews chapter 4. In verse 1 there, it says, therefore, in other words, since the promise, all right, or while the promise is the promise of entering his rest is standing, all right? It's here, it's, it's now. It's not, it's not just a concept from Exodus that we, we pull on and we talk about and we think about and then we, we let go of it back there and say, oh, well, that was good for them, but it's not for us. No, therefore, while the promise of entering into his rest still stands, then let us fear lest any of us, any of us should seem to have failed to reach it. All right? But then, if you look a little further, in, in verse 9, he goes on a little further, and he says, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. It's still in place. All right? There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone, anyone who enters into God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. There's a beautiful rest that we find when our sins are released from us through the blood of Jesus Christ. When we come to Christ, this is an amazing, amazing time, all right? But there is a rest beyond that that we are called to keep. And so we we are continually being called by God to enter into this rest 
called the Sabbath. We are responsible to this. And so I want to I ask you today that you start to hold on to that, all right? If you're, if you're like me and you're finding yourself right now feeling a bit guilty, um, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I tend to sometimes be a real workaholic, like I can be all or nothing, and I can actually justify not having a Sabbath. I've done that. Um, not proud of that, but I've done it. And I, I think many of you would say you've done it too, you know? Uh, rather than give the day to God, we have bent the day around a, a whole lot of other things, a whole lot of other opportunities, and we've somehow been able to sort of justify that as we have gone along. But if we want to define a Sabbath, a Sabbath, according to, to uh, Calhoun's book, is that this is God's gift, all right? And it is a gift of this very repetitive and regular rest. God gives you the gift of rest. And when we don't establish that opportunity to receive that gift on a repetitive basis, weekly, we are actually saying, God, I have decided I don't need your good gift. And we reject that gift by not allowing our lives to center around that command of God to take that rest. It's time for, for being and not doing. You know, it's a time for pulling aside, pulling back, so that there is this sense of God that we don't get in the busyness of all the rest of our time. And it's for you and I. It, it remains for us now in our day. And is our day not a busy day? Is your day not filled? Is your day not, are you not consumed with your lives? And, and are, are you and I not running and scurrying everywhere to do all the things that we need to do? And how many of us oftentimes at the end of a week feel exhausted and, and we feel like we didn't get all done that we should get done or we didn't do everything we wanted to do or our to-do list is bigger at the end of the week than it was at the beginning of the week. And so there's always seemingly this sense of, of a deficit that's going on in our lives and yet God has not changed and He's saying, I want you to Sabbath. In the midst of all of that feeling driven that is in us, God is saying something different than the world is saying. God is saying something different than circumstances are demanding or pulling of us. And that is, I want you to rest. I, I want you to take this time and I want you to center. And so I want you to have this rest that I have provided for you and given to you and commanded of you. And so that's where we need to land. That's where, where, where we need to fit is in this place of being right there where the scripture says we should be. In the, in the, 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 the Jewish Sabbath, um, it, it would begin in an evening, all right? And, and when the Sabbath would start, it would be a, a, a place where the family would, would just set aside all of the, the to-dos of the work life and all of the, the things that were like coming in on them or demanded of them, uh, you know, in, in their day the lamp was lit and everyone settled into the evening and the calm began to come into the home, you know, uh, it was the calm of the Shabbat. 
It's the time when it's, it's known, it's, it's understood, it's expected that, that we are all going to gather in this way. And so the candles were lit and the prayers would begin to be prayed, the blessings would begin to be spoken, um, the, the food would be eaten. All of this was done with this sense, this awareness that this is special. This is unique. It's, it's set aside. Let me ask you a question. And, and, and I, I'm equally guilty here with, with, with my answer. And I think it's going to be about the same as your answer, unfortunately. And that is, how many times have we run into Sunday and, and the overlap of, of our lifestyle in the rest of the week runs into Sunday with us? It pours in. It, like it, it overflows into Sunday. And Sunday gets robbed because we still are carrying the trappings of the week into our Sunday. A lot of you are running into church on Sunday because you just got up and you're just getting here and there's been no sense of this is the Sabbath, this is the gift, this is the time to, to prepare myself and be ready to embrace the Sabbath of the Lord. And so we're rushing in and we already know what we're going to do after church is over because we've got this Sunday list that we need to get done. And so we run out into that. And, and at some point, we, we might catch a light nap or a quick nap in there somewhere. But then it's to get up because we have to get ready for tomorrow. You understand what I'm saying? You, you, don't, don't we, isn't this us? And, and in that, there is, there is such a lack of recognition that the Almighty God has reserved this time for purpose. And that purpose is that we might rest, that we might be renewed, that we might be restored. And even if it can't be Sunday, is there, is there a day that you can set aside where you begin to practice this rest of God that is absolutely I believe, essential for us. Not just that it's com God doesn't command you to do something just to be doing. Heaven forbid. When God gives you a command, there's not only great purpose in that, but there's great fruit in that when we obey. And so we are called just as Israel was. So, so for, for the Jews, when, when bedtime came, the family rested in this sense of we are in the protection of God's covenant. And they, they woke up on the Sabbath morning as as. This is a time to enjoy the friendship of God. There's, an, there's this sense, there's this awareness that is being cultivated each week with this, this work of resting, if you will. All right? In other words, this, this doing, this, this choosing to do this rest with God, which is not really doing, but being. And over time, I think, what happened for the, for the Jewish people the families was that this was established. It became an, a very intentional day for, for them to delight in God and to be refreshed in, in the Lord. But um, Adele Calhoun points out in her book that in time what happened is it moved away from this sense of rest and this sense of joy and, and refreshment. And like many other things in our lives, it turned into legalistic ritual. And so it was another thing to do. And I don't want to make that mistake today. I don't want to put, I don't want to put you in the peril of 
deciding that, okay, this is another thing on my to-do list, and this is another thing I have to like create and that I have to do. But enjoying God and enjoying others should not be replaced by some kind of uh, religious Sabbath keeping that is, that is a law that has now been laid down in your life. And rather than bring you life, it kills and it destroys. So that's not what we're after here at all, okay? But what I'm saying is, is there a place in your life for you to establish Sabbath? I believe there is. I'm convinced there is because God commands it of us. So what are we doing that is keeping us from being able to obey this and to establish this, all right? Because, because to take a, a day that God has given as a, a respite and as refreshing and as renewal and to make it just another different kind of work day, that is not what we want for you. That is not what we want to happen here. And so let us let us. Start to understand that this is God's gift and let us begin to embrace it that way. Let us, let us make it work that way. So with that, let me talk for just a few minutes here about what might be something practical that, that you could do, all right, to sort of make this work for you. How, how do we practice this, this work, all right? And I think the first thing you and I have got to do is we can't cheat on this. All right? We can't minimalize it, all right? We can't become minimalist here in this thing and just do enough to just sort of get by, all right? Which I'm very good at, all right? I'm really good at that. Um, Buchanan, in his book, he describes himself in one of his chapters, and I, I love the description, so if you would allow me to, I, I, would, I would like to just, just take you into um, sort of what he, uh, he experienced and what in, in his childhood, and so it taught him a lesson here. And let me, let me if you will, just read this to you, all right? Because uh, I, I just like it, all right? But I think it fits very well for us here. He's describing an event uh, that happened when um, he was a little boy. He had a, a brother at the time who was nine years old. And he says this, he says, I learned a valuable lesson when I was, oh, seven and he says, my mother stepped out to go somewhere. Now, he doesn't even recall where she actually went. Uh, but he says, she asked my nine-year-old brother and me to look after things. Wow. <laughs> now, keep in mind, this was in, in an era past when parents did this sort of thing, all right, and left their children at home. Um, he says, my mother told us specifically, unambiguously, not to touch the chocolate cake she had just made. She couldn't have been more clear about that. He says, I heard her. I also heard what she didn't say. She never said we couldn't help ourselves to the chocolate cakes, chocolate icing. She clearly never said that. Cake, after all, even if a child knows this, is a substance made from flour, sugar, eggs, a few other powdery things, all mixed and baked. Cake, strictly speaking, is not icing. <laughs> icing is what you put on the cake once it cools. Cake is cake, with or without icing. And that icing was a revelation. A frosting of fudgy goop, lustrous and thick, 
teased by mother's death spatula, the work into which she brought labyrinths of crevices and ridges, so clearly hearing what mother said and what she didn't say, I helped myself to the icing. I began by scooping with one finger the daubs of icing spattered on the foil base that the cake set on. This was, when you think about it, a favor I was doing my mother, cleaning up after her. But the taste of that confection in my mouth wet my appetite. I proceeded to scoop with two fingers the rim of frosting that drooped around the cake's sides and bulged thick at its base. My fingers left there a double-grooved gouge. I was just getting started. I next skimmed off with a spatula. What I would have reasonably argued was excess frosting off of the top and then along the sides. And then to cover my deed, I tried with the same spatula to tease the icing back into that whipped texture at which my mother was such a skilled hand. But I didn't have the knack. Besides, the frosting by this time was crusting slightly, losing its pliancy. When I finished, the icing was pitted and chopped as if a dog had mauled it. I got found out, of course. I don't remember what consequences I was made to suffer. I do remember, though, my mother scolding me to the effect, don't touch the cake means don't touch the cake, any of it, all of it, the whole thing. And he goes on to say, what I learned from this was that I gravitate towards this place that comes very close, if not spot on, to disobedience. And I find ways to justify what I'm doing along the way. Now, some of you could tell some of the same kinds of stories where you really wanted to obey, but you found a way to not obey, thinking that you maybe could get away with it. And if it's sort of like we, even as Christians, we sometimes convince ourselves that, you know what, if no one finds out, it's really not disobedience. And we approach some of these Ten Commandments in this way. But the commandments are the commandments. And even though you and I are prone to disobedience, we need to realize that we have to stop trying to get out of what God's good is for us. And we have, to, we have to move away from so easily, so easily justifying the things that we do. And so comfortably sometimes living in a very slippery kind of grace. Because at the end of the day, folks, the reality is that this is good for us. To center on Jesus is the best. To spend this time where we remove all of these other things and we are able to be present to the living God is a powerful time for you and I. And here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced of the reality that this particular spiritual discipline is the overarching umbrella of all the others. When you fold your hands to pray, you are Sabbath. When you choose to, to lay down food or, or other things for time with God, you are Sabbath. 
when you choose to take the time to not disregard the value of another person. See, we look at things like, you shall not murder, and we go, I got that, no problem with that. But we write people off and we disvalue people to the point of we wouldn't care whether or not they existed or not. They don't matter anymore to us. Well, what is that? When we take time to spend with one another, when we take time to give ourselves to each other, to be in each other's lives, to care about the poor, to make a difference, to make a stand, when we do those kinds of things, we Sabbath. You say, well, Pastor, you're getting back to works now. Yes, I am. But for you to be able to do those things and fulfill these other spiritual disciplines, you have got to be able to have some time with God that is is focused on him, that is centered on him, that is worshiping him, that is restful for you so that you can be renewed and you can be restored and he can deposit in you the energy that you need and the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can do the works that he's called you to do in this earth. And so you and I, we need this time. So what does that, what does that look like in practice? I, I think it could look like some of these kinds of things. It could, it could be you and I setting aside this time, number one, above all else. Setting aside this time, making it a legitimate time. And maybe that means saying, you know, Sunday's got to change. It, it's more than just saying, yeah, Sunday's coming and smiling It's like, no, Sunday is coming. Sabbath is coming. And Sabbath is a time that I have to intentionally set some things aside. I have to reorder my life. I have to to reprioritize some things. I I have to make some calls here on some things so that I have this time that is intimacy with God. You will set aside Sunday. I will set aside Sunday to work on a hobby, read a book, hang out, go to the lake, picnic, catch up from the week, do a particular project. But are we be honest, are we approaching Sabbath in the same way that we plan the rest of our lives, being very intentional to say this time is carved out for Sabbath and living in what Sabbath is supposed to be, a time when we have intimacy with God and perhaps a few select other people and we're loving God and loving others. You need to be able to say, I have a specific time where I am resting in God one day per week. All right? I am resting in God one day per week. And that in doing that, then, you practice restful activities. You say, I'm going to pull this this day aside, and I'm going to have this as my day of rest but you just do the things you can't get done the rest of the week because you have a job and you have other priorities out there and and you're still just working and doing but not taking this time away from God. That is not Sabbath. All right? So you need to not only say this is a time of rest, but you practice restful activities. And I don't know what that means for you, but that that might mean just a, a really wonderful devotion time. Maybe it's waking up slow, 
Um, maybe it's, it's going off into the quiet, like taking a walk and being by yourself for a while and focusing on God. It may be just a, a good uh, conversation of encouragement that you and another believer have together where you build each other up in just a, a joyful fellowship time. Um, it also, I think, needs to be a time where you, you, you're letting go of some of the things that stress you. So that may mean putting that cell phone away. Not, not just turning it off or turning it over, but getting it out of the, the, the sight of your vision so that it's not tempting you, it's not drawing you or screaming at you, all right? It, it may mean letting go of some difficult conversations that you, you, maybe you and your wife have been tense all week. Can you let that go for a day and, and you, can, you can focus, guys, ladies, can you, can you focus on, your, on, on the presence of God and his love for you and then focus on your presence to your spouse and your love for them? It, it, it may be um, not developing that to-do Sunday list. You know, just, just not having that. Just, just not letting that get in there anymore and say, you know what, i got to kill this thing. Because it's killing my Sabbath. It's killing my, my time with God. Um, there, there's just, you got to work it out for yourself, all right? You got to do that. But there are things, I'm just, try, I'm just trying to give you some starting places here where I feel like the first thing is to make it intentional. That you're really going to have a Sabbath. You're just not going to talk about it. And you're just not going to read it in Scripture and go, yep, that's the Ten Commandments. We obey them but we don't, okay? Giving legitimacy to a Sabbath, I think, is a powerful thing. So let's, let's try to do that. But, but let me help you to understand why you do that. Why do you, do, why do you set it up? Is it just going to be law? Is it just because I, I'm told to do it? No, I don't want it to be that way. I don't want it to come across that way, but I want you to understand that there are powerful benefits. There are God-given fruit out of Sabbath. There are things that come out of you having Sabbath and, and doing Sabbath, all right? And obviously, number one is you have kept company with Jesus. You have had some time to worship. You've had some, some time to pray. Maybe you, you fast on your Sabbath at times, all right? You, there are other, you, you can have confession. You can have solitude. There's a lot of these other disciplines that work into Sabbath, all right? And on all of that, you are very present to the Lord, all right? And, and I think one of the great fruits of this, it helps with this addiction to busyness that we get. It, it helps us to, to move some things around or move some things out of the way. And in doing that, we break the yoke of some of these things that push us and drive us and, and, and call to us all the time. Not only busyness, but rushing just rushing here and rushing there and jumping in the car quick to get there to this and always being just a little bit, you know, short or crunched. And there's no margins left in our lives. There's no times for us to, to, to stop quick and reflect or have an opportunity to think for a moment and, and, and reorder our scattered thoughts and those kinds of things. But this is an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to move away from that hurriedness kind of thing and that, that sort of busy, busy kind of way, that rush of life. And I'm going to settle here, and I'm going to be able in that to be renewed and, and restored and blessed. And I think another wonderful fruit of doing this for you and I is that it allows us to acknowledge that, you know what, I am a human being. 
I am limited. Here's something I think will help you immensely. You and I need to understand, I've said this in years past, you and I need to understand that the word no is a very anointed word of God. To be able to just say to yourself, nah, I don't need to do that. Nope, that can wait. No, I'm sorry, that would, that would rob me of my Sabbath, my time in the presence of the Lord, and I, I can't do that. We'll get, I'll get back to you, but I, I need this. This is, a, this, is, this is a part of my ordered life to be refreshed in the Lord. So, no, we learn to say no in the best sense of the word, and it becomes really a wonderfully anointed word for you and I. I think another fruit of this is it allows you and I not only to like honor God in a very wonderful and, and healthy way where he really is the center and the focus, but it also helps us to just have a much better healthy lifestyle when we start to live in a good Sabbath. And you'll be surprised, I think, when you start to, to, to keep the discipline of the Sabbath, how it will affect so many aspects of your life in a really great way. Another fruit of this is going to be that you begin to create this, this sort of weekly rhythm in your life of rest that you need. And I want very much that for you and I, is that the rhythm of our life includes these disciplines and includes them in such a way that we're not having to fight for them, but they become just a part of the rhythm of our life. And, and it, it becomes the natural output, the natural outflow of our lives. And here's, here's one more fruit that I think is really great for us. And that is this, that this, I found this true of myself, and I think it would be true of you, and I hope it will be, is that we have to trust God for those things that we're not getting done and that we're letting go and all of that other stuff. And that helps us to learn to trust God even more and realize that, you know what, I am not God. And it's not hinging on me. And so we can give these things to God, and we can say, God, I need to trust you in these particular areas of my life. And so we begin to walk in a deeper level of trust in the Lord to take care of us and our lives and our families and our businesses I hope that this is helpful to you because I think this is a place that we all, I, I know this is a place that we all need to land. And I think all of us, if we're going to be honest on some level, some of you are wired so type A that this is really like, whoa. You know? And some of you, you're those otter kind of people that are just random and free-loving and just, you, know, you just love life and you can take it easy, and, but still for you. There's the need to, to kind of pull in and discipline and say, you know what, I need an intentional Sabbath. I, I need that kind of rest in my life. And so I want to challenge you and I that, that, that we are really, really practicing this, all right? Because I, honestly, I, I'm like Mark Buchanan. He, he makes a confession in his book and says that he was a, he uses the word flagrant. He says, I was a flagrant Sabbath breaker. 
He says, I, I, I did not pay the least bit of heed to the rest of God. And I've been in that place myself and knew it and, and, and wrestled with the unrest and the inner turmoil of that. And I want to challenge you and I that we live differently than that. That this not have to be one of those kind of places, if you will. So, what do we do? I want to ask you to do something with me. I want you to join in with me. I want you to have an intentional 24-hour Sabbath. Now, that can start next weekend, and it can be Sunday, but it's got to be intentional. So Saturday night, you're going to start the process of preparation for this Sabbath. And if it involves your whole family, then bring the whole family into the preparation and the planning of it. All right? And if it's a different day, be legitimate to it. And I would ask you to share with at least one person, preferably if you're married, that you would share it with your spouse. Um, but you would share with someone that, hey, this is going to be my Sabbath day. I'm going to be intentional for this particular day. And then that you be accountable to what that day was like, how it, how it went down for you. So that there is, is a legitimate, intentional Sabbath ne- in this next week for you and I. So that the night before, you're going to start to talk to yourself. You're going to start to remind yourself and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to just enjoy God. Tomorrow is a day to... to Come before the Lord, and I'm going to enjoy the Lord. And it might be for you that you're saying, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know what that looks like, and I don't know what that means, and I'm really, like, clueless here. But let's start, okay? It's a Sabbath day. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And maybe ask the person that you're sharing this with to pray for you that you will have a wonderful and unique encounter with God during this time, all right? So consider what, what would nourish your soul, what would nourish your spirit on a Sabbath. Maybe you're going to do a little bit worship. Uh, maybe you're going to uh, take a little nap, all right? Um, maybe you're going to take a walk, spend some time with someone that is affirming and building up and encouraging but, but all of this you're going to look at and you're going to sort of lay it out in your mind how, how it might go. And then you're going to release yourself from the law of that plan to say, I'm making room for the Holy Spirit to come into this, to invade this and have time to experience the Spirit of God however He might want to, to draw you in that. And, and it, may, it may be that it's very much a big part of it is this corporate setting where we worship and we hear the word and uh, uh, it, it, it'll, be, it'll be really a great time. As a matter of fact, Pastor Dave's preaching to you next Sunday. It'll be a perfect Sunday for you to be intentional in this and he's going to be preaching about the spiritual discipline of confession and this will be really good for us. All right? So I invite you that if, next, if, if Sunday is it for you, then let's all, let's all come into it together, all right? Gather your family together in this. If, if you've got children, bring them into it as well. Let them be a part of this. Talk to them about it. Explain to them what it's about. Go into the Old Testament and read. Start with the Ten Commandments and then read how the Israelites lived out the Sabbath. And then maybe you could make 
your own family dynamic that has something important to it that is for your family. And, and you can keep that going. You can uh, sort of perpetuate that, you know. Start the evening before, all right? So if it's going to be Sunday, that's going to be your Sabbath. Start it on Saturday night, all right? If nothing else, light a candle, all right? Some, some tangible action that says, it's here. It's beginning, all right? It's beginning. And so you are aware that you need to be now intentional for the next 24 hours that you're going to center yourself on the Lord, and you're going to experience his presence, all right? So, so light a candle, you know. Say a prayer, like invite the presence of God. Invite Jesus in, into your Sabbath, all right? Prepare some things ahead of time. Prepare some food in advance of the Sabbath, all right? And have it ready so that you can put it out. And maybe you and your family gather around that food. Or maybe you invite another family to come into your Sabbath with you and say, let's have this rest together. Let's say some prayers. Let's eat a little food together. Let's have a little good fellowship together and just enjoy one another without worrying about getting somewhere else or how much time we're losing or where's my cell phone or those kinds of things, all right? Um, don't stay up late. Go to bed at a really good time. Don't go to bed just getting off Facebook. Don't go to bed reading the latest installment of CNN. I made that mistake last night. Oh, God have mercy. All right, don't do that. All right, let's have, let's have this sense of, of awe and expectation. All right, and so let's go to bed with the sense that we can get a good night's sleep and be be alert, be refreshed, and be ready for the next day so that we are, in, we are waking up with this sense of embracing, embracing this Sabbath and doing it together with others, all right? And, and in that prayer, ask God for good rest. Ask God for sleep. There's nothing wrong with doing that. This is a rest in his arms, all right? And part of that can be sleep. And commit your dreams to the Lord. Just ask God, would you be Lord over my dreams tonight? Don't let me have crazy, stupid dreams. You know, give me something here or, or just let me just clear my, my, my brain out here. There's nothing wrong with praying like that, okay? Um, and, and then so prepare, get, get things ready, all right, so that all of it is, is in place. Get the things that you know you're going to need. Get them together so that they're ready for you. And then ultimately I would ask you as we're closing here that you would, you would expect something from God. I'm not trying to set you up for disappointment here, so I mean, don't expect something weird, okay? You know? I remember one guy told me, he, said, I, I, he loved semi-trucks. He was a trucker. He loved semi-trucks, and he would just ride around and look at semi-trucks. Do, do you do that? Do you just run, ride around and look at semi-trucks? No? <laughs> he used to lay down and say, God, I just want to wake up in the morning. I want a big semi-truck just sitting in my front yard. Debt-free. He said, I just pray that every night. I pray that every night. I'm like, stop praying that every night. Stop praying that at all. Don't pray that anymore. All right, quit praying that. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> but ask God. Expect something from God. Expect that, that if nothing else, he allows you to have a wonderful sense and revelation of him and his presence and that you can find rest in that revelation of the presence of God. Amen? Amen. Maybe you don't really 
catch all of this today because you've not had that entry point, that starting point of knowing Jesus, all right? We want to give you that. Before you enter into the spiritual rest, there's a, there's a deeper rest that you need to enter in. So, Melissa, will you, would you just come and Melissa's going to share the gospel with you this morning. And so let's just open our hearts to, to hear it. If you're hearing it new for the first time, we're praying for God to open your heart to the gospel message. And if you've heard it many, many times over, uh, even here with us in Life Church, listen to it fresh in this new presentation from Melissa this morning. All right, bless you. All right. Um, one of the things that, was, that struck me this morning is Sabbath is restorative. Um, God, at, in the beginning, called Adam and Eve to work alongside him in the garden, but he also set the Sabbath aside for them because even at that time, it was setting up that there was things that couldn't be done just in frantic effort. Um, and so even now, like... There's a way for us to take a deep breath from our work and find abiding peace with Jesus. And it happens this way, is that God the Father sent Jesus, God the Son, to live perfectly, to die um, as the perfect sacrifice. And then uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus was raised from the dead, conquering death so that we can could have that work completed on our behalf that was needed so that we could be saved. Um, and to be able to restore us to full relationship with Jesus, to be able to restore us to full relationship with the triune God. And so Sabbath in much a way is, a, is an invitation to come and to find rest in God, to find that peace where it's not about our works, but it's about his grace and his goodness to us. Um, so the prayer team is going to come up. And if you've never put that trust in Jesus, ever been able to take that deep breath, there'll be people up here to pray with you. Or um, if you're like me, where just this is a reminder that there's so much need for me to intentionally set time aside to be with God, to worship him. Um, or if you have any other requests, um, there'll be people here to pray with you. So I'm going to pray. Um, and then you can either come and get prayer or you're free to go. Father, we just thank you um, that you have given us rest, that you have given us time set apart to be with you. Um, and so I pray that as this congregation, we would find a way to um, trust you and, and intentionally set aside time to be with you and to worship you. Um, and I pray that you know, we would come and we would put our full trust in you. God, we just thank you for your salvation. We thank you for the work that you have completed on our behalf so that we can find true rest. In Jesus' name I pray.